You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Hi guys, it's great to be here. Wow, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Andrew Bandman, I'm a missionary, and this church has been foundational to our mission in Uganda for a decade. Um, like, we are a couple of months away from a full decade. And so, you guys are my foundation. Um, and I wanted to thank you for that today. Uh, I'm going to get to this verse, but I'm hoping you'll let me just speak for two seconds. I'm, I've been sitting in the back, completely messed up because it's Father's Day. I lost my father on the 5th, and... That's not, a, that's not a point for despair, you know. We're looking after my mom. She needs to be taken care of, but Dad was a good Christian man. I watched him go to bed with his Bible every night for my entire life. And so we know where he is, and I'll see him again. But I, I, I wanted to talk about Father's Day because I was, I was busy thinking about my dad, and my dad was foundational to, to who I am. He was there for me my whole life. And the work that I do today is... For those of you who don't know me, I, I work in Uganda, and we live right next to a slum community, and Father is so broken in a slum community. And I wanted to just contextualize what I do. The fathers in my community that I get to know or that I know about are, are represented by the families we help. And mothers tell me stories like the, the young mother who fled her home because dad was going to sacrifice their little girl in order to bless the family. How mixed up is this? The mother who, who ran with her kids because the beatings got so bad, the man picked up a panga, which is like a machete one night, and, and started beating her with that. Families need their dads. And I see the carnage in families when fathers don't step up and, and lead their families. And I just wanted to, you know, there's a lot of fathers here today, and I just wanted to encourage you guys, exhort you guys, our kids get their destiny through us. We speak into their lives. When we're not there, that void is filled by whatever, whatever's out there to, to fill it. And, you know, my dad was an exemplar to me. God, they talk about God. God is our, is our heavenly father. He's the exemplar of what it is to be a father. And they say he dwells in unapproachable light. And yet I get to run and jump into his lap. Anytime I need a hug or if I'm confused. And fathers, this is the role model that we've been given for our families. To be dependable to be there when it's hard, to, to, to speak over them, good destinies. And so I just wanna, I just wanna you know, kinda lift myself up to be that for my family. I have four kids and three grandkids. And I just want to invite you guys to just cry out to God to help us be strong and consistent and people of integrity so that our kids get not just to hear about who dad is, but to actually have a demonstration of what a father is. So, sh shall I read? I'm pretty messed up this morning. I was sitting in the back, blubbing away. That Firm Foundation song took me apart, so thanks for that. Um, I'm hoping I can see this. Uh, make sure I get the right side. There we go. 
Excuse me. Uh, yeah, that'd be good. I'm just trying to not sniff all the way through it. This is Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them a parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 and go into the open country and go after that lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons, persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of, angels, of, in, in, of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who, led to, to, who, who had two sons. And the younger one said to him, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there squandered his wealth on wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the land, in the whole country. And he began to be in need So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him any. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring my best robe and put put it on him. Put the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son, who was in the field, when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called to one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he uh, has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look. 
All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property and prostitutes come, or pardon me, and with prostitutes comes home, you killed a fatted calf for him. My son, said the father, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and now alive again. He was lost and is found. Thanks, Andrew. I couldn't shake the sense that on Father's Day we had to hear this story and look at it. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I spoke to you guys about this, this idea that we live in this world with compassion and conviction, right? We, we hold fast to the truth, but we feel compassion for those who are lost. And I see in this story how Jesus embodies that. And I wanted Andrew to read to us the whole thing so that we could see the context, which particularly the story of the prodigal son is set. And I think the stories before help us as well. Um, and what, what we see, when I say I want us to see the context, it was really just the first two verses that sets it up. And this is what it said right now. The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus responds to this complaint about him with these three iconic stories, right? The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. But I want us to just catch this part where they're, they're complaining, saying the tax collectors and the sinners, you know, they're all gathering around him. He welcomes them. And I don't know about you, but for me, that sentence about the tax collectors and sinners were gathering to hear Jesus, I find it challenging and convicting. Because it causes me to ask the question, are the sinners gathering to listen to the church today? And, and if not, why? And I would say, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to try to work through this quick. But I would say that the reason I think they're not is because we often look more like one of the two brothers than we do look like the father. Who with me? Fabio's with me. Thank you, Fabio, for that. Come on. But Jesus carried himself and related to the world around him more like the father in the story than he did like these brothers. And that's why sinners gathered to hear him. They leaned in to hear him because there was something unexpected, something different about him in the way he carried himself. And, and to see this, I want us to just do a quick like case study of the three characters in the story. And as we work through that, I'm going to actually ask Mike and Char in a little bit to come up and share some of their journey, some of their story with us. But we're going to do this quick little case study on the three characters, okay? So what I think Jesus wants us to see is that these two sons in the story, they represent two common patterns or ditches that we fall into as people. And then the father obviously represents the ideal way that Jesus shows us, that Jesus taught us. And so what's the story with the younger son? The younger son is this guy who is gladly going to enjoy the good gifts of the father with no regard for the father himself. 
When he says to the father, he comes to him and he says to him, hey, give me my portion of the estate. He is essentially saying to his father, you are as good as dead to me. All I care about is what you can give me. And the Bible teaches us that that is what all of us do. All of us fall into loving God's good gifts more than God himself. And when we do that, we actually go into deeper and deeper levels of depravity. The longer we ignore God and just revel in the good gifts that he has for us, the more depraved we become because we're missing the whole point of the gifts, which is to lead us into relationship with him. And you could say we end up in the pig pen. We end up in the mess just like the younger brother because we love what God can give us more than God himself. You with me? So that's the younger brother. And that's what we see a lot of in our world and in our culture. And I think part of the issue is, is often, like I said, we look like one of the two brothers versus like the father. So we either look just like the culture itself or we look like this older brother. I'm going to look into that. The older brother is this, these people who religiously obsess over following the rules to earn God's blessing. You look at the statement that the older brother makes to the father, and he says to him, you know, look, there's an exclamation point in the NIV. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Translation is, I'm offended with you. What are you doing celebrating this loser? Look at me. And, and here's the son. Here are the words he chooses. The son in the house says, I've been slaving for you. He doesn't know who he is in the house. He doesn't know he's a loved son. He's, still, he's trying to prove himself through this slaving for the Father and this obeying the rules. It's, it's religious legalism at its finest. And the Bible, again, shows that all of us, we are prone to this spiritual pride. We easily fall into it. And I'm going to spend a little more time on it because I think if, if you're here at a church service on a Sunday, there's a good chance you're more like the older brother than the younger brother. Okay? And if, if you're like the younger brother and you're here, you know, coming back, we thank God and we say, welcome. Yeah. We are happy you're here. But I think a lot of us churchgoers fall into the older brother camp a little more often. And what I want us to see is that the older brother, he was so obsessed with his slaving away and his obeying the rules within the father's house that he didn't even know why there was a party happening. He was so inwardly focused with his work in the church, you could say, that he didn't even see beyond the house. He wasn't even looking out beyond the house. He didn't even know his brother had come home. He had no clue why the party was going on. And I think the application of that is simple, guys. Let us not be so consumed with our own 
righteous rule keeping and work within the family that we can't see the world outside us. I can't shake, the reason we're talking about this is because I can't shake this burden that God wants to increase our outward focus as a church. That he wants us to be a people marked by looking out like the father who you see like when, oh, we'll, we'll wait for that. We'll go in that minute. I can't help but think about, think about this looking out, right? What do we see when we look out? What do we see when we look out? I find the question comes up for me. When we look out to the world, when we actually do, right? Does our blood boil or does our heart break? When you look out at the world, what's the response that happens? And I think oftentimes we, like that older brother, insular inward, we're, we're in our little, maybe we're in our little like social media scrolling and we're here and we're like focused and we're like, look at them. Oh my gosh, did you hear what they said? Oh, and we're sharing and we're posting and there's this, there's this self-righteous accusation thing that, that, that happens, right? Or does our heart break? Does our heart break? I found myself thinking about this, reminded, how many of you saw the Jesus Revolution movie that came out this last year? I bawled my eyes out at this one part where, where Lonnie Frisbee's character, I'm sorry if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to take time to explain it, we've had you here a while already, um, but the question comes to this hippie preacher who's reaching all these, these hippies, and the question comes from this really conservative pastor whose church wants nothing to do with these dirty hippies. And the conservative pastor asks him, you know, tell me about your people. And he, and he starts off and he says, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And they're looking for truth in all the wrong places. And he goes on this beautiful, eloquent speech. And I remember like convulsing and crying in my chair in the theater. And, uh, and <laughs> I'm serious. I was like kicking the chair in front of me. There's nobody in it, just for the record. But uh, and turning to Telsey, just being like, I'm getting wrecked. Because I feel that as I look out at the culture, I see sheep without a shepherd. Looking for truth and justice in all the wrong places. So let us not be the older brother. So consumed with our own righteousness and our work within, and forget about all those who are outside. Now the Father, okay? Third case study before I'm done. And the phrase that has grabbed my attention more than any other in this text the last couple weeks is it says this. This is after the son has come to his senses and he's decided he's going to head home. And while he's on his way home, it's in verse 12, it says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and ran to him. And he embraced him and he kissed him. But the real part that really caught my attention in that was while he was a long way off. What does this mean? This means that the father was looking out, searching for his son, so that even while he was a far way off, he saw, oh, he's headed home. 
and he runs to him. He seizes the moment to close the gap. He doesn't wait and see if he's going to make it. Can he cross? Like, it doesn't tell us how far was a long way off. It just tells us he was a long way off. And the father saw him and he ran to him. When you were a long way off, the father ran to you as soon as you turned. I've often had a picture of the father like looking from heaven. And, and, and he's just looking for that moment when you're going to glance, right? As soon as you glance, he's there. So the question that hits me, am I even looking? Am I, are we as a church on the porch looking off into the distance for those who are turning toward the Father? who are turning toward home. You know, Jesus said in the first story, the good shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one sheep who was lost. He, he doesn't lose the one and then go, well, we'll see if he comes back. <laughs> and I think sometimes we embrace too much of a passive posture as the church. And we like slogans that say, everybody's welcome. But just like writing everybody's welcome on the sign or on the website or on the whatever, it's not the act of searching that Jesus calls us to. Jesus describes himself as he came to seek and save that which was lost. It's out there. It's active. It's looking. It's searching. It's watching and it's waiting. And so looking and acting like Jesus, guys, it looks like this. It looks like the first two verses of what Andrew read to us. Welcome them and eat them. Eat, not eat them. <laughs> hey, no, we don't believe in that sort of thing around here. Just, just communion. Just eat that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, no. Welcome them and eat with them. With. Keyword. But this is the thing, to, to welcome them, it's not just on the sign or on the website. It's actually like step out your door in your workplace, invite people, make them feel welcome, welcome. make sure they know you have space for them. Invite people for meals. That's the simple instruction coming out of today. If you want to practice what is being preached today, invite people over for a meal. We'll start there. So I just, as I, as I come to the close here, and then I'll invite you guys up, Mike Char, in just a minute. I want us to just see sort of the playbook of, of making space and inviting people in that we can see in the story that was told. And the first step is look. God, who around me is turning to you, is looking for you, is searching, is hungry, is getting fed up with, the, with, with what the culture has sold them, whatever it might be, right? But, but look and ask God. 
to give you eyes to see them. The next step, it's less of a step, you'll see in a second. It's before he runs to him. It says he felt compassion. He felt compassion for his son. And so when we look, we wait for that compassion. You ask for that compassion. And if you're cold-hearted and you don't feel the compassion, I'm going to say run to them anyway, okay? Just go for it. Just activate your faith. But that's step three, run. Run to them. Move toward them. There is something within us that we have to actually move towards people that looks like conversation, that looks like invitation, that looks like making space. And when he gets to him, what does he do? It says he embraces him and he kisses him. You don't have to kiss them. Don't worry, okay? You don't have to kiss them. That's not, that's not one of the steps. It's metaphoric here, okay? The, uh, but it is this thing about we, you work hard to make that person, again, feel welcomed, feel embraced, feel loved. And that's going to come as you invite. Hey, we're having dinner on Tuesday. We'd love for you to join us. There's a seat for you at our table. Then there's this really interesting part of the story where it says that the son, you know, in the middle of rehearsing his speech to the father, the father interrupts it and says, put my robe on him, put my ring on him, let's go party. And there is this this thing that happens, guys, when Jesus came after you and you said a simple yes to the invitation to the table, he clothed you. With his identity. That robe and that ring represent that this son is a part of the family. And I noticed this, that that there was no probationary period before he put the robe and the ring on the son. He comes home and he says, you're my son. I love you. You're home. This is who you are. And he relates to the son according to his true identity, not the self-loathing identity that the son was trying to come with. He relates to him according to his true identity. And that'll preach today, I'm telling you what. There's a lot of people with all sorts of identities. And we have this job when we represent the Father to relate to people according to their true identity, which means speak to them who they are. Speak to them, man, you are so thoughtful, or you're so kind, or maybe make an acronym like they did for Telsey, I don't know. But, the, but, the, but it's this thing where you actually affirm what you see in people. Not just being like, yeah, you are a mess. Why do you stink so much? You know, like, it's like there, there's this thing that I actually know we, and this comes to the last step in the playbook that I see in the scripture, celebrate. They throw a party. And there's actually something that happens to people when you celebrate them, where they feel, oh my gosh, there is space for me here. And I believe, guys, that this whole process of looking out and reaching out and welcoming people in and, and outward focus is actually in many ways It's salvation to us as well. What I mean by that is this, is I believe that introspection is a trap. Constant assessment. Am I doing a good job? Am I obeying the rules? You know, all this constant introspection, it is a trap. It creates anxiety, neuroticism, depression, okay? And I actually believe that this outward focus that Jesus calls us to is part of our salvation, 
I don't know if you can relate to this, but I have experienced it where I'm feeling anxiety, depression, and I turn to somebody and I say, man, Stacy, I just love the intentionality with which you led us this morning. And you, and you led us in a prayer of faith and you start to speak to somebody what it is you appreciate about them, what it is you see in them, you start to celebrate them. Well, guess what happens to your anxiety and depression? Just kind of, that's right, somebody, I like that sound effect. Who gave me that? That's right, it just dissipates, disappears, evaporates. There's something about that outward focus and celebrating others that sets you free from all of that inward anxiety, neuroticism, et cetera, et cetera. So the plan, guys, this is, this is, I'm saying all this to lead us into this, this hope, this desire that we as a church this summer would embrace expanding our eat together. We've been talking about eating together since the new year. Keep bringing it up. And, and the hope is that this summer, let's expand our eat together and make room at the table for neighbors, for coworkers, for friends, for whoever God shows you. That we would say as Life Tree Church, we're going to expand our eat together this summer. We're going to make room at our tables for who God is showing us to invite. I know Telsey and I have a, have a group of people in mind that we're making space for this, this summer. And lastly, I just want to say, guys, that where this whole story started off that was read to us today, the, the Pharisees, they're so concerned about Jesus, you know, buddying up with these sinners because they're so afraid of defilement. The Pharisees are so afraid, oh, if I hang out, if we hang out with these guys, they're going to defile us. But what we see in Jesus' life is that, is that Jesus would touch lepers. And what would happen? What would happen? They got cleansed. They got healed. So instead of Jesus touching lepers and him getting leprosy, he touched the lepers and they got his health. They were cleansed. And why I say that, why I want to end there, is that you carry something of heaven in you. That when you get around people, that culture affects them, not the other way around. And it is absolutely necessary that we, the church, look out and invite into our homes, into our space. That interaction happens because we carry a culture that our city, our world, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers desperately need. When we carry the heart of the father, not the older son, and obviously not the younger son. And so with, with that, guys, I want to invite Mike and Char just to share a little bit with us their journey. You guys can come up. Um, as many of you probably know, they've been, they've been hosting a, a rockin' community dinner at their house uh, for a few months. And I just thought it'd be great for us to hear a bit of their story, a bit of their journey, and glean from it. And I'm going to hand it over to you guys. Thanks. I ate some bread on the way up, and it's very dry. Um, I'll be quick. We'll be quick, because uh, I'm hungry. <laughs> um, so... Midway through COVID, we had major change in our family uh, living situation. We moved out of eight years living in community with the Steepers on uh, Josh's dad's farm. It's like a duplex rancher hippie commune. And, um, and we, we ended up buying a house in the Highlands. Uh, 
and uh, it was kind of in this, it was this season of isolation, basically, because nobody comes to visit people in the Highlands. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, ish. But uh, then we, we really had it on our heart to, to be closer to our community. And uh, this property came available uh, just up the road here. And, uh, and so we, we went for it. And it was right at the time when interest rates were just rising up, and and uh, so so it was looking like this this maybe isn't going to happen, but we're going to try. And uh, we had made a commitment to the Lord that uh, it was kind of like, Lord, if you if you make this happen, we are going to give this place to you. This this property is one hundred percent for you. We're going to use it to build community, and uh, and we we. We would drive by it every every day, basically, or at least I would, and, and just I'd just be making promises to God, like God, make this happen, and uh, and so in the end we got this place, and uh, and we were so stoked, and so that was in October, and uh, we did a really quick reno because the house was in uh, very rough shape, and uh, and we moved in December, basically just just before Christmas, and we had. Uh, this idea that we were going to invite people for for uh, Christmas breakfast, uh, like Christmas morning, uh, which we've done for a little for a while, and uh, and we just wanted to like kind of christen our, our new living situation with with this uh, with this act of just inviting people who uh, don't necessarily have somewhere to go for Christmas morning. And so there were some people from work, and we've got a couple other people that are living on our property: the Seekers and Emily and um, and Victor and uh, and so there's already community in that, but we we invited some friends from work, and I uh, put a picture up there. That was so to me. That was our first community dinner, uh, and that was Christmas morning, and there's snow outside, and it was magical and wonderful. And uh, and then from there, coming into January, we Shar and I had it on our heart that we just wanted to do a weekly dinner. So Monday, next next picture. This is this is. Monday, our our first community dinner, <laughs> or maybe first or second community dinner on a Monday night, and uh, and so our house is like not very big, uh, and I went and bought some tables from Costco, and uh, and this is just how we do it. We just have dinner. It's potluck. Everyone comes, and uh, part of the motivation I think for me was just that um, through COVID, our community's changed a lot, and there's a lot of people that I just don't know, and uh, and so what better way to get to know our community than to have dinner together. And so we've been doing that, and then now the weather's gotten good. And so we're outside, <laughs> and you can see the next picture of that, there's just like tons of kids. And uh, and so it's awesome. It's usually just like, uh, you know, I've always had this policy that I want to, you know, to spread out that like kids eat last, but uh, kids always eat first, and they just like take all the food. It's amazing. Uh, and they and they love it. And uh, our our kids originally were really resistant to the idea of Monday night community dinner. Uh, and I think that's part of why I love doing community dinners because it's teaching our kids. It's it's teaching our kids. It's molding our kids and to to live life a different way. Uh, and it's also doing a lot in my heart as well. Um, I uh, I like my space. Uh, I'll just be honest. Um, I can be a little bit cold, and uh, when my when Shar and the kids, you know, leave, go out of town or something like that, I my my idea of a good time is to turn off all the lights, close all the blinds, <laughs> sit in complete silence, and uh, and so community dinner is not like that at all. And it's just like every time, I just feel like the Lord is just like, you know, doing working in my heart, 
and uh, you know, kids play like hide and seek and like hide in our closet and uh, like closed doors are meant to be open. That's like a kid's policy. And so, you know, there's like a lot of like things in that that, that just are working through in me and I've had really good chats with Bruce Jones who we live across the street from them now and he said, you know, hey, I'm kind of this, the same with you and they, they've, they live their life in community uh, and they value that in the same way that we do and and Bruce is like, yeah, I've got tons of years of this and and the Lord has just like just changing my heart all the time. And that's really encouraging to me. It's nice to have a, a bro across the street that, that uh, encourages you in that too. And so, <laughs> thanks. So yeah, that's my part. Nice. Good job, babe. Um, no, I'm just, I, Caleb has a list of what he wants us to say. So I want to make sure we say it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he's hungry. So you just go sit down. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You have to stay. Ew. <laughs> Yeah, like Mike sort of said, when we bought the place, we have this song that we've sung here a few times, um, and there's this bridge in it, and if it's like, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, so here's the keys. Come on in. Everything we have is yours. And that was really when we bought the house. It was like, because I think we can say that. We can be like, yeah, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. But like, can we, can we do the outside of our house house and, and not get it messy and not get it dirty and and we'll go we'll go in a different space and we'll keep our comfort and we'll keep our you know we have those things we sort of hold close and we're like well maybe just not that lord like our our house will do and we sort of we use it as this sort of thing of like this sort of you know promise for our kids and and that's good but I was sort of like okay you want it one step farther okay here's the keys um and and so that was really our sort of thing was just like okay and Mike's always been and we've sort of been sort of gathery kind of people um in our marriage and in in how we walk out life I think it was like just as being youth pastors you just have to be okay with people in your space because youth don't have many boundaries. Um, so I learned to not have many boundaries. Um, and so I think in sort of having these people over, like some of the things we've learned, um, we're human. And so oftentimes on Mondays, we'd both get off work and r- rip in the driveway, sometimes at 4.35, and people are coming at 5.30. And you're like, <sighs> and you just want to go to bed, and you just want to lie down, and you just want to put on Netflix and chill, and, and he'd be like, should we just cancel? And it's like, no. Every, you know, like pretty, like on, like just being honest, right? When you you know you're, like it's like a, we call it, well, mostly now we call it kids community dinner. Like it's like the horde is about to descend, and I'm so tired, right? And then it's just like, no, okay, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Here's the keys. Come on in. Everything we have is yours. Okay, girls, pick up your toys. Okay, yep. You go start some water for pasta, and and you and leaf blow the lawn. I don't know why you do. He's always like, I'm gonna mow the lawn. I'm like, why? <laughs> Any other husbands do that, right? Like you're just like, no. Um, and and it's really it's really just it's it's being okay with being uncomfortable. Yeah. I think I think that a lot of that like, hey, here, everything we have is yours. Is, is really surrendering everything you have, right? And saying, hey, you know what, God, it, it's worth being uncomfortable. It's worth having days of just, of, of dying to myself. And Mike's like, don't say that. No one will want to do anything. Um, but that's what we're called to. And we can, we can put some icing on it and some sprinkles and make it sound like this super fun thing all the time. And, and it is. Honestly, 
I would say like 100% of the time, even when we've been like dragging our feet and being like, maybe no, maybe no one will come. Maybe this will be the week and nobody comes. By the end of the night, we're like, thank you, Jesus. Like, I know, I know, right? I'm really selling it. But I like, he did, he wore, we did. We were like, Caleb, it's been really hard sometimes. But I'll say it. At the end of every night, we're like, yes, thank you, Jesus. And we're so excited. And our kids are making new friends and making new connections. And, and we, so some of the things, okay, I'll get to tips because otherwise we both talk a lot. Um, how to invite. Okay. Um, you just do. I know maybe that sounds really simple, but you just go, hey, Holy Spirit, who needs community? And then you go, hey, Fanny, we're having dinner. Do you want to come? Sweet. Cool. Bring something. Sweet. Awesome. Sala. Oh my gosh, do you want to come for dinner? Great, it's on Monday, 5.30, 6, I don't know, just show up. It, like, we, this is my, like, biggest thing I learned, just don't overthink it. I think we really, really try, we're like, oh my gosh, okay, well, it has to be perfect, and it has to be, I have to have all the right things, and I have to have everything all figured out, and (laughs) no, just keep it simple, don't overthink it. If God's calling you, if I wait and try to overthink, and I feel the Holy Spirit telling me to do something, I won't end up doing it right? Because I'll try to put my process and my ideas and my things into it, and it'll, I'm not as good as the Holy Spirit, right? And so if he's like, hey, Shar, there's that person in the corner. I'm like, I don't know them. He's like, I don't care. Go meet them. Okay. Hi. We have dinner. Come. Come and eat. And if we just, if we overcomplicate it and overthink it, we put too much of us in it, and then we sort of get in the way. And so that would be my thing, is if you feel it's like just that immediate obedience, right? Like we tell our kids, and then we forget when it comes with our relationship with the Lord. You're like, But wait, I just have this first, and this first, and this first. No, now. And that's not in all things, obviously. But how to invite, just do it, and do it right away. If you see a coworker, don't wait for like the perfect moment or the perfect, just, hey, looks like you're having a rough day. Do you want to come for dinner tonight? I know, scary. Um, how to be normal. <laughs> how do we be normal? Don't be normal. Um, but don't be like crazy weird. Like especially, so if you're, if you're putting this invite like out to coworkers, like we've had through the months of doing this, we've had coworkers from Villamar come and neighbors come. And if we sit down and are just like, tell me about your deepest, darkest fears in life and, how G- and I'm going to tell you how Jesus can set you free of them, they'd probably be like, okay. I'm a, do you have a to-go bag? right? Just be normal. Like, seek to connect with the person, because if they sit down at your table and it's like, wow, they're just trying to convert me, they're probably not going to feel like there's actually space at your table, right? And so just try to find those normal things you can talk about. Or not. Or you could do the other thing where you just grab them by the head and go, no, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh. oh my gosh, if you do that, take a video, and it'll go in the blooper wheel of tables. Um... <laughs> What to expect? Expect expect for, for God to move. Expect to be uncomfortable. Expect to have your capacity to love grown and increased. Expect, and, and growth is uncomfortable. Y'all remember growing pains as a kid? It's a thing as adults. It's just not our bodies in a cool way anymore. They just sort of grow in weird ways now. Um, but 
but it's, it's this growth of your heart, this growth and your capacity grows. Um, and maybe for you, it's starting, you don't have to jump. We're a little extra. So we just sort of go like, we're going to have community dinner. It's going to be 50 people. And that's what it's going to be. You don't have to be, it doesn't have to look like it looks for us for you. Maybe it's one person, right? But just be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is saying. I think that's, I think it's good. It's worth it. It's worth it. Over the summer, we're doing, uh, we, we decided we're going to do monthly, monthly parties. That's going to be really fun. And uh, Drew and I, we, we're planning like some wide games for the kids and stuff through the property because we've got five acres so it's, and it's like long. So we're going to do capture the flag and stuff and just make it super fun. I have this idea of getting a pig on a spit and like that type of thing. So every month we're doing that. You guys are welcome to come. And then in the fall, one of the things that we noticed in the last six months is it's just like, okay, dinner's awesome, but we actually want to like grow as a community too. And so we're going to be doing like um, some equipping things. Uh, one of the things that impacted Shar and I was uh, Dave Ramsey's financial peace course. And so it's just like nine weeks we're going to do, um, you know, for anyone here in the community who wants to be a part of that. And so that's just it. Monday nights, it's, it's the Lord's. It's the first day of the week. We just want to dedicate it to him and to community. And uh, that's the heart. So. Thank you, guys. Okay, guys. We're closing here. We've had you guys long today, I know. And um, it's been a buffet of all sorts of good stuff. The table's been spread. Uh, all I want to do as we close is if you're in the room and you're like, hey, I'm feeling the tug to, to open up my table, to invite some people, to look out, I want to ask you just to stand up. And we're going to pray. Okay, now we know who you are. No. <laughs> what, the reason I ask you to stand up, guys, is because I want you to look around the room. Uh, and you may see somebody that you feel drawn to, to talk to. Because when Jesus sent out his disciples, he sent them two by two. And so there could be a power and a partnership. That's why I want you guys to, to look around. And um, now we're going to pray. And I'll leave it at that. Um. And for this, now that you guys who stood up, you felt the tug, everybody else, reach out your hands towards them. Or maybe, or maybe you didn't want to stand up, and you need to put a hand on your heart as well, because you know God's speaking. We do that at the same time. But Father, we ask that you would make us a people who, who embody and exercise radical hospitality. God, who creates space for those who are looking for you. That we be the people who are looking out and running toward and embracing and welcoming and celebrating. God, equip us to reach this city in Jesus' name. Amen. La last thing I want to do, guys, is encourage somebody before you go. That's one last activation. So before you leave today, tell somebody something you like about them. And, uh, you know, get out of yourself that way. All right, have an awesome Sunday. Happy Father's Day. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Life Tree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.